Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Gearing up towards the end of the year, which is screaming towards us. Uh, exciting, but, uh, you know, our clients tend to want everything done by the end of the year because the world ends yep. at Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so no doubt you're feeling the pressure as well. Yes, and also a lot of celebration of Christmas parties too, Amanda. That's so true. gotta put that in the diary. <laughs> Lots of socializing around this time. Yeah. Interrupting our uh, emails and phone calls and yeah. deadlines. <laughs> but that's it's a nice important change. Yes. Instead of going to a meeting for us at night, it's nice to sometimes occasionally go to a Christmas party. Yes, it is. Now let's jump into our wins and challenges as we discuss uh, every time we get together, Rena. Challenges first. Jump in. My challenge has been that we had a meeting that's three or four months ago. There was actually a motion. It was a DA that was approved and basically the next motion was to allow the strata manager to execute all documents and do all things necessary to basically allow the DA to be submitted and for the approval of the authorised works. And at the meeting, one of the owners said, well, I don't agree with that this motion is too broad. And I said, what exactly do you think the motion is saying? Well, you can do anything you want. That's what it says. And I said, well, that's not exactly what it says. It says I'm authorised to do all things and sign any documents under seal necessary and incidental towards obtaining the approval um, from statutory authorities for the works. And in a sense, well, sometimes when people start putting those concerns to other owners, Amanda, for those that were against the work in the first place, it started to to unravel. And mm. basically that motion was defeated. So oh. exactly. And I just thought to myself, well, then how can an owner's corporation, if it doesn't give its managing agent that authority? And I said, to, I would have to list every single document that I would need to sign. And sometimes they're not known at the beginning. I mean, the DA will be known, the information certificate, perhaps other, other forms are known at the beginning, but then sometimes council has further requirements in this case, there's also a subdivision um, of common property, so we need, um, need to sign documents, you know, for land registry services. Um, so you've got to put the seal on documents. And I just wanted to ask you, Amanda, about your thoughts on this and any have you had any feedback from any clients that you've looked after where they have come to you about their aversion to such a motion? Mm. Yeah, I've certainly drafted these motions. I can't say I've ever seen one defeated. Uh, in my experience, I've drafted them where we're doing things like a subdivision of common property. Uh, I did one recently where there was an amendment to a strata management statement for a BMC and there were three or four different parties involved. The strata manager at the general meeting was authorised and directed to do all things and sign all documents necessary 
to facilitate the submission of the plans. Uh, I'm just using examples here, submission of the plans, finalization of the documents. Um, what we're trying to do there is cover off anything that we haven't thought of. If there needs to be an amendment to a document, if there is a, uh, a council administrative requirement, oh, oops, here's a form. We forgot exactly. to tell you that you need to sign and seal this, which happens a lot. A lot. We're trying to save the owners corporation from having to go back to a general meeting just exactly. for that purpose of authorizing the signing of that document. So it's perfectly legal to delegate that kind of a function to your strata manager, particularly, and I would say only, where you've already authorized the work in question. So in your exactly. case, Rena, it sounds like a, a development um, that's been, the owners corporation has, as it must do, especially resolved to allow, if it was an, a particular owner, to alter, upgrade yes. the common property. So they've passed that special resolution. They're then uh, agreeing that the DA is to be lodged and that you, the strata manager, authorised and directed to sign all documents and do all things. Mm. Um, quite a common thing. Um, no, I haven't seen buildings push back at that, but it is their prerogative if they want to. Mm. If they want, you'd have to go back if a form needs to be signed to a general mm. meeting to get that approval or authority, then that's what it's going to have to be. Well, I think also part of the motion, including um, the decisions of the strata committee. So I think some people had a problem with the strata committee as well in terms of what they thought their authority was and there was some obviously personal issues there as well. So I think oh, that okay. contributed <laughs> to the issue. But um, yeah, it's funny how sometimes there are certain things as a managing agent, and I'm sure as a lawyer, Amanda, when you're advising clients, you just take for granted that this is, you know, like a procedural thing, mm. you know, you've done A, B and C, now this is part D just to get it all moving. And then people, for reasons that are not sometimes obvious, mm. um, decline to allow the passage of that motion. And perhaps for reasons that are not at all connected with the subject matter of the motion. Exactly. exactly <laughs> As we've right. said before, things can run smoothly and productively in buildings where everybody gets along, but in buildings where they don't, we have these little stumbling blocks that we may not otherwise expect. Exactly. Something else, just a tip for those kinds of motions, I often include, particularly where I, as the lawyer, am going to continue to be involved in the process, I include some wording along the lines of, you know, the strata manager is authorised and directed to do these things at all times, taking into account the advice and guidance of the owners corporation's engaged lawyer, uh, whoever that may be. Yeah. In certain but in this case, Amanda, there was no... There was no continuing involvement of the lawyer apart from submitting the motions for the alteration of common property. So, Yep, fair enough. But it's a good one to think about if it gives people more comfort. Exactly, yep. Okay, my challenge for this week, this is a listener question. It has come from Tom and it relates to parking. And I'm try I was trying to think back through more than about two and a half years of podcast episodes. <laughs> I'm not sure that we've ever got stuck into the question of parking. And this is a question that, you know, Rena, uh, I'm sure you've had many times over the years. We see it in the media. I get it a lot. What can we do about people illegally parking on common property, parking in the visitor parking, you know, basically not not obeying the rules, whatever they may be when it comes to parking in our scheme. And Tom has specifically asked, can we tow them? Can we tow these cars away? I think, Amanda, you've given me advice in one of our schemes that asked that question, actually. I'm sure Do I have. <laughs> Do you remember what it was? <laughs> oh, I don't actually. Yeah. Well, look. I think you, I think you um, no, I think you said that they were obstructing common property or something and therefore, yeah, I think your, your reasoning was behind the um, 
cause of obstruction. Yeah. Well, let's start there because we do now have a provision in our New South Wales 2015 Act, which was not in our earlier Act, our 96 Act. And that relates to the removal of motor vehicles. It's section 125 of the Act, but you do need to read that together with Regulation 34, which is in the Strata Schemes Management Regulation. I will put links to these sections in the show notes so you can access them easily. Um, What you can do now in New South Wales, if a vehicle is blocking an exit or entrance or otherwise obstructing the use of the common property, you can put a notice on it. The notice has to meet some pretty strict requirements that are set out in Regulation 34. It has to be the right size. It has to describe the vehicle. It has to have a contact number for the strata committee. And if the notice has been on the vehicle for at least five days, it must be at least five days and it hasn't moved, then you can have it moved. So then you can tow it away legally. Five days is a long time when a vehicle is obstructing an exit or an entrance or otherwise obstructing the common property. It's not a long time if they're away for the whole five days. They decided to, I'll leave my car, I'm, yeah. I'm going away. You know, I'll just leave my car in the visitor's parking while I'm away. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That that's a very good point about visitor parking because that's really where the where at least in my experience the problems really happen. Is yeah. a vehicle obstructing the use of common property if it's parked in the visitor parking? Indefinitely. Indefinitely, and you know this person is not a visitor. Or- exactly. Well, I mean, I would think that it would be. I mean, mm. I'm not a lawyer, that's why I'm talking to you, but Yeah. Um to me, you know, everyone has the beneficial interest in the common property. Yep. And then when someone does it, they're having like exclusive use of that area. Yes. I talked this through with a building very recently and came to the same conclusion. But what I've said to them is, let's say that in your bylaws. Let's say if you are a resident, so you're not a visitor and you're parking in the visitor parking, then you are unlawfully obstructing the use of the common property Mm. and regulation 34 will be enforced against you. You know, as we've said before, bylaws are there as preventative tools, uh, hopefully, and for residents to be aware that they are not supposed to be parking in the visitor parking and we do have the right under our legislation. Uh, We may not highlight too much that it takes five days, but the right to remove these illegally parked vehicles. To answer Tom's question, that's really the best you're going to get at the moment under our law. Don't go towing away vehicles that have been there for two hours. That is illegal. You do not have the right to do that. I have heard some advice in my um, time from non-lawyers, but uh, other common perhaps in this sector who say under the uh, cover of darkness you might decide to have the vehicle removed to public property rather than sitting on your private property because when it's on public property the council or the police can deal with it but otherwise when it's within your private property there's not too much that you can do aside from this removal procedure. I certainly didn't advise you to do that. But I, have, but I have seen that mentioned uh, by uh, a few different people in, in the past. So, Amanda, have any of your um, strata schemes that you've dealt with or any of your YSP members ever done this, like actually had a car towed? Not that I'm aware of. But when these things start to be talked about, I cover my ears and cover my eyes and say, see no evil, hear no evil. You didn't yeah, tell actually, your lawyer I mean, that. I've, <laughs> I've been interested actually to hear about any of our listeners if um, or any of our managers, lot owners, schemes that, if anyone's ever had to do that and where they towed the car and how did they find the car when they towed it. And yeah. 
I'm actually quite interested in all that now. So yeah. yeah, I think the concept, of course, it depends on the, the property where it is and where the parking is. But I think the concept is if you can move it sort of just 50 metres away so that it becomes council's problem and not yours, then it's problem solved. But there's a risk in doing that, that you're going to be caught dealing with somebody's private property, which yeah. is illegal and you have I no know. right to, uh, you'd effectively be stealing their car. So yeah, that's what yeah I no lawyer's going to tell you to do that. <laughs> So I'll put those links in the show notes. I hope that's helpful to you, Tom. It may not be the answer you're looking for. Uh, no towing. Look, there's other um, creative ideas like bollards. I think, Rena, you work with a building that has used that successfully and yeah. uh, CCTV, I think. People know they're being watched. They shouldn't be parking where they shouldn't be parking. But the only problem with that, Amanda, is that if you don't have um, like a fob system where everyone – sometimes people don't know where those people are going. So they record them – we've got a building, they record them actually parking, but because the cameras don't sort of follow them – They could be visitors, you don't know. Yeah, and also you don't know which apartment they're going to, so you can actually sort of write to that apartment. Yeah. My idea with the CCTV is that it's going to stop – problematic residents who you yes. do know and exactly. I've seen that happen in a number of buildings where you think you know lot three she's always parking in the visitor parking you know I know her bags are heavy but seriously yeah exactly. uh, that's it's going to stop that kind of thing yeah, because you know who they yeah, are definitely stop mm. that that's a good idea Amanda all right well those are the week's challenges uh what's your win for this week Rena? Well, I'm just announcing the, our Women in Strata Christmas Party that's coming up, yes. Amanda, on Friday the 7th of December, this Friday. Indeed, yep. At the Royal Exhibition Hotel in Surrey Hills, which is actually just across the road from Central Station. So we hope that many of you can attend. It's going to be a wonderful event like it was last year. Yes. You must book on our website, actually. So even though there's no cost, we'd like to know, obviously, that you're coming. Yes. And I want to make sure that it'd be a great way for um, women and supporters of women in strata, including men, yes, to indeed. attend. We have two sponsors, Retz, um, Sasha Bow and Luna Billing Management um, are also sponsoring the event. So thank you to the, both of them for their donation. So look forward to it, Amanda. So yes. Christmas cheer. <laughs> I'm hoping that when this uh, episode goes to air, we're not sold out, which could be very possible. So make sure you head over to the website to secure your spot. Fingers crossed that we aren't uh, booked out. It was a very well-attended event last year. I have some very fond memories of our Women in Strata Christmas Party last year yeah. and such a good venue. We're back there again this year. Look forward to seeing so many of you. Yeah, it's a good way to catch up actually in a more relaxed atmosphere. Yep, nice time of the year. All right. Uh, the win that I would like to share with you this week relates to pets, the keeping of animals in our strata buildings. Now, we have had two now, and who knows, it might be more by the time uh, this episode goes out, two tribunal cases, which uh, in short have supported the keeping of animals in a strata building. The first one is the Yardi case. This was a case that was actually decided back in February, but was only reported for some strange reason at the end of August. So you've probably seen a bit more in the media about it in recent times. I'll put a link to that decision in the show notes. That's a case where there was a bylaw banning pets. Lot owners moved in. They had a pet. It was Baxter the dog, wanted to be able to keep Baxter. And the tribunal said that the bylaw banning pets was harsh, unconscionable and oppressive, so a breach of our Section 139 in our Act, and it was therefore invalid and Baxter could stay. So really important case, not only for its commentary on the keeping of animals, but for its testing of that new Section 139 too 
that bylaws must not be harsh, unconscionable or oppressive. Since then, there has been another case and I only know about this case because the strata manager kindly alerted me to it. It is not a reported decision, uh, but I have read the reasons of the member and it's a little bit different to the Yardi case in that it was an application for approval to keep a pet. The bylaw said that pets were permitted with approval and approval was not given. So this resident said that the owners corporation had been unreasonable in refusing approval. The tribunal member agreed, but the very interesting part of this decision was that the tribunal member also said, even if this building banned pets, I would allow this pet to stay because a bylaw banning pets is harsh, unconscionable and oppressive pursuant to the decision in the Yardi case. So this second tribunal member, different member, has followed or indicated that if he had to, he would follow the earlier tribunal member's decision in finding that bylaws banning pets are invalid. So I had a chat to uh, some journalists about this and there are a couple of articles published with my comments about what should buildings do and I suggest they review their pet bans if they have them and think about instead substituting that ban with an application process, a considered application process and make sure they're looking at each application on its merits rather than imposing a blanket ban. So, Amanda, just in the second case that you said that's not reported, um, in that case you said that they didn't have a blanket ban, they just had reasonable consent or yep. whatever the wording is at the moment. Yep. And so what were the criteria that the committee used to actually um, not approve the application for the pet? Yeah, that was part of the problem. Uh, they didn't really set out what their reasons were for not approving the application. I think they had concerns about setting a precedent in the building, yes. which is never a good reason. That's never a good yeah. reason. They didn't look into things like how do we manage noise, mess, danger or disturbance and didn't even consider putting in procedures around that, which is what I suggest buildings do. You manage the outcome, you don't manage the fact of the animal. And the tribunal found that there was no reason that the animal couldn't stay without some reasonable uh, conditions around the approval. And to simply say no, because you know we think it might be noisy or we think it might be messy or uh, we don't want everybody to have dogs, not, mm. not good enough reasons. Yeah, I think this is a very um, interesting issue because some buildings are very pet friendly and, and some aren't, Amanda, and a lot of schemes that I've managed and still manage. So, Marina, well, I bought into this apartment because there are no animals because there is a blanket ban and that's why I moved here because otherwise I would have bought into a pet friendly apartment mm. and building. And I think that, I mean, I, I am scared myself of, of animals because mm. when I was young, I was really, my sister was bitten by a dog and so, oh, you know, I'm not really comfortable around animals myself. But mm. I do see the value of, for some people of having, of having a pet. But when it comes to the committee giving reasonable consent, I mean, the problem is on what grounds can they sort of not accept an application when nothing has happened for them to say, well, because, you know, the dog pooed on day one or, you know, nothing, they're applying to bring the dog in yep. in this case. So I, I find those sort of bylaws are really worded in such a way that you really don't have any grounds to say no. And that's and to me, if that's the case, then I suppose after the event when things have happened and there are reasons to say, well, you know, there are breaches of the consent, mm. um, how does that then get enforced? I mean, how do you get rid of the dog? It's 
Yeah. On one view, um, perhaps that's the point. There is no reason to say no. And maybe that's what points it out to the bylaws in these terms, point that out to committees and force them to go through that process and think about, okay, what are they really asking? Do we have mechanisms in place to control outcomes? Do we have conditions applicable to this approval? All right, well, we can't really say no. Uh, I think a situation where you might be able to say no is when it comes to maybe somebody who wants three or four dogs. Yeah. That may be an issue. Um, and I'm saying maybe, you know, there may be situations where that's perfectly mm. fine, depending on the if it's a terrace or it's a the type of dog, I'm not really sure. And there are um, certain breeds that are considered dangerous to my knowledge. Yeah. Again, not a dog expert, but um, there is a way of assessing, you know, what type of dog. And I'm using dogs because that's quite you know, common, common. And, yeah. and what people find perhaps to be the most concerning in terms of noise and mess as opposed to cats. So there may be some limited circumstances where the application just jumps out at you as, yeah, this is really not going to be appropriate. But we come back to, you know, particularly when it comes to noise, I guess, if you were living in, you know, inner city Sydney and you're in a terrace or a semi-detached property, you can't regulate whether the your next door neighbour, who is just as close, if not closer, mm. when you're living in a strata scheme, whether they have dogs. So the question then being, why is it that you can regulate your neighbour who might be three floors below you and two units across, whether they could have, have mm. an animal that's really not going to impact you at all. So I think it's important that the applications are assessed on a case-by-case basis, but I've, mm. I've listed this as a win because we finally have some guidance on both the question of animals and the application of Section 139 and this new harsh, unconscionable or oppressive requirement. Well, I had a recent um, application by a resident, Amanda, to have a dog. And basically in this particular bylaw, it's quite a well-drafted bylaw and it actually refers to the weight that a dog or animal can't exceed a certain weight. I think that probably pertains to the size of the animal. I think once they're over a certain size, Anyway, and in this particular case, this breed of dog was going to exceed the weight criteria in the bylaw. Mm. And so when the application was put through, one of the members said, well, then we can't approve this. You know, these dogs are this weight, even though the owners said that, oh, no, this dog is that weight. Everyone, If you look on the current what website it was, but it was one of those websites that was not like a bloggy type one. It was actually a proper website about animals and white dog breeds and weights. And basically it said that any dog of this type usually is in this weight mm. range. And so therefore there was no way that, that dog was going to um, satisfy that criteria of the bylaw. But the other members, you know, they basically overrode what the bylaw had stated and they approved the application. So, yeah, so I think that sometimes, you know, people who are pet friendly, sometimes people sort of transfer on to other people their own reaction if they wanted to have a dog and they weren't allowed to have a dog. So even though the bylaw did have some criteria, sometimes – but obviously, it's been no problems. We haven't had any problems, so we haven't had to enforce it. But I think, in a, in a way, if the committee had given consent and it was outside of the bylaw, I'm not sure what we would have to do in that respect when we'd already said yes. Mm-hmm. And then now we're saying no. Yeah, <laughs> consistency is-, is key, I suggest, like yeah. anything uh, within our strata buildings, to be seen to be making consistent, transparent decisions with reference to criteria which are actually yeah. applied, I think is important, not yeah. just for. Uh, decisions about animals, but any decisions that our committees and our owners corporations make. I think, I mean, obviously when it comes to people's homes, Amanda, um, people are far more emotional in, in their thinking than when if you're asking the same thing in their office block, you know what I mean? It'd be different how they would perceive that versus how they perceive things um, in their own home. Mm. So, Absolutely. yeah, interesting one. And it's good that we have the guidance that you said, Amanda, at least now, um, you know, if there are other 
schemes that want to adopt bylaws, they have to keep these provisions in mind. Yes, and I have a feeling we'll see a few more pet cases cropping up in recent times. Mm. There may be a few before the tribunal now or even uh, owners who've been wanting to keep pets and who are now challenging these bylaws. So just have a look, if you're a committee, have a look at what you've got in place at the moment in terms of regulating animals in your building and make sure you're comfortable with it. If you're not, then it might be a good time to change that requirement. Yes. All right, that's it from me this week, Rena. Anything to add? No, all that's good, it. Amanda. Time to head off for Christmas drinks somewhere. No, time, time to get back to the office. <laughs> back to work, a few weeks to go. Back to work. You'll be yeah. relaxing uh, on the beach on Christmas Day or New Year's or however you like to spend your uh, holiday time, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely going to the beach. Just around the corner. Exactly. Catch you next time. Okay, bye, Amanda. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?